Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Outer New Trade Rumors podcast. On tonight's episode, Trey and I discuss some of our bold predictions for the 2015 season. Enjoy the show. Any other points you wanted to make, or do you want to get on to some bold predictions? No, let's move on. I'm going to talk about uh, some bold predictions for Auto New 2015. Yes. Do, do you want to start with one first, or do you want me to... All right. So, was there anything else you wanted to cover with the 5MILB draft, or any other points uh, you wanted to make, or do you want to get on to some bold predictions? No, let's move on. I'm going to talk about uh, some bold predictions for Auto New 2015. Yes. Do, do you want to start with one first, or do you want me to start? Uh, go ahead, kick us off. Okay. So, it, this one's probably way too predictable for anyone who's involved in the auto new community on Slack, um, but it's Corey Dickerson. Everyone in the community knows that I love Corey Dickerson. I'm not shy about liking Corey Dickerson. I probably like Corey Dickerson as much as you like Corey Kluber. Um, my prediction with Dickerson is that he can be a top five outfielder. Now, do I think that actually will happen? Probably not. But I tried to pick, when, I, when I'm looking at these predictions, I want to pick things that are probably 10, 10 to 20% likely. Um, are you okay over there, Troy? Yeah. Okay. So, so my goal was to pick things that I thought could happen one out of five or one out of ten times. Um, well, although, I mean, I knew Corey Dickinson was going to come up on your list, so... I mean, it's like a 100% chance in your mind that he does whatever you're about to describe. Uh, no, I. if I had to guess, so I guess this kind of goes back to the Champions League draft. I think Corey Dickerson will be better than Ryan Braun this year. I honestly believe that. Um, so I looked at, I see Braun as a $30 player, so I have to be okay spending more than 30 on Dickerson. So I, I would have probably spent 30 on Dickerson and 30 on Braun, or 28 and 29. I ended up spending 29 on Dickerson in the Champions League. But my thought process with Dickerson, uh, as far as this prediction goes, is that the Fangraphs depth charts have him at 365 uh, for 365 Woba. If you look at last year's outfielders at the end of the year um, who had a 365 or better, better Woba, there are only 10 of them. That would have put him 11 in all baseball if he did what he's projected to do this year, okay? Last year, Dickerson had a 400 WOBA, okay? One of the things that I think, and this kind of shows through in all of my, in a, in a couple of my predictions, is that projection systems generally do not do a great job of projecting a breakout and then projecting the ability to sustain that because they're always going to regress, regress the breakout. So do I think Dickerson's going to have a 400 WOBA this year? No, I don't. Um, but I think that he'll be higher than 365. And if he is, I see enough of a gap after the top four outfielders, which I feel is a pretty clear group, um, that I think he has as good a shot, or at least a chance, to be the fifth guy. And the names that I'm looking at are, uh, for the top five outfielders, Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton, Andrew McCutcheon, and then Jose Bautista, I feel that's a very clear top four of all outfielders, okay? And then beyond that, you have... Yaziel Puig, Michael Brantley, Jason Worth last year, okay? And I like Puig a lot, but due to park, power, I think all of that is legit in playing time. I think Dickerson's going to get all of those, and I think Puig will as well. Um, but I don't see any reason why, again, if we're being bold right now, that Dickerson can't be that fifth guy. Um, and that doesn't mean that I would take him ahead of Puig. I wouldn't. But I, I think that there's a realistic chance that he could end up being that fifth guy. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good one. A good one to start off. I mean, Brantley was the fifth ranked, and we're talking about points leagues, you know, Fangraph points leagues. Mm-hmm. Here, but, and I just looked uh, at Woba for this. Oh, you were looking at Woba, okay. Yeah. So are you saying he will be the fifth highest outfielder in Woba or score? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, in Woba. And I think Woba translates pretty well. Um, so I, I feel like it's close enough that I could say fifth highest. Scoring, whether you wanted to say points per game or total points, um, I was just looking at Woba when I did these. So, it, okay. I think he could be the fifth one, um, but I think that he's in that group with Puig. Like Puig, I feel like would be the popular choice to be the fifth outfielder, um, given that group. It yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if Dickerson outplayed Puig this year, and the main reason for that is due to cores. Right. So. That's enough with my love for Corey Dickerson, though. So, if you have one... Well, I knew it was coming, so that's... I mean, it's bold. I like it. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll, it was good that you started with that one, because my first one is an outfielder as well. I'm going to go a little bolder than you, though. Um, I'm going to say that uh, Chris Davis, not the, uh, not the Orioles' Chris Davis, but the Christopher Davis... Becomes a top ten outfielder in 2015. He's one of my predictions too, actually. So this will be really? good. Yeah. So yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I think he becomes a top ten scoring outfielder. So last year, the tenth highest scoring outfielder was Justin Upton with 875 points. That's right about where I think probably the 90th percentile you could you could have for Christopher Davis. So. Um, I think there's a chance that, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned Jason Worth not going to be up there. Um, Nelson Cruz is probably not going to be up there, even though he's on my team. Michael Brantley may or may not be. Um, Matt Holliday is getting older. Hunter Pence is broken. Um, I think he's got a shot to hit, to put up similar numbers to Justin Upton, who had 29 home runs last year with a 363 Woba. Um, I see a big year. I think I see Christopher Davis as as the new young Nelson Cruz, the guy whose career uh, sort of starts late and runs into some power. And um, it'll be interesting to see if, if that happens this year. But it wouldn't be surprising to me, and that's why I'm predicting it, that he'll be a top 10 outfielder. I like that, actually. I like that a good bet here. I'm actually going to jump into what I had for Christopher Davis just because we're already on on – to him. My prediction with Christopher Davis was that he would be better than George Springer this year. Um, and I didn't, I didn't look at total points where either would rank. I was only looking at players who I thought were similar enough and who I saw varying degrees of public opinion about. So just based on Fangraph depth charts right now, you have Springer projected for a 346 Woba. Davis is projected for 342. Okay, And I get all the love for George, George Springer. I understand it. Um, one of the things that I tried to look at when I'm trying to project breakouts for players is three Ps, power, playing time, and park. Okay, And if you can get those three things, if you have a favorable home park, you have power, and you have playing time, I feel like you have all the... You, you have a good stack of chips. You know what I mean? Like you can kind of go all in on these guys just because they have all the right circumstances. Um... So when I look at the differences between Springer and Davis, 
the main difference that I see when I look at their projected numbers is speed for George Springer. Uh, Springer's definitely faster. I think Springer could steal a lot more bases, but that doesn't really matter as far as Auto is concerned. So my thought process on it is that I think Springer will probably end up being better, but I would pick Davis over him, especially given the cost. If you look at the Champions League draft that just happened, Springer went for 26, and Chris Davis went for 13. I would take Springer at half the cost of... I would take Davis at half the cost of Springer every day, if I could. Um, so that was my thought process, and it sounds pretty similar to what you were saying as far as um, being high on Davis as well. How would you feel specifically with Springer and Davis if you had the choice between the two? Well, forget about the stolen bases. I mean, who who do you think hits more home runs? I, I, I looked at Justin Upton last year, and I feel like Chris Davis could probably replicate that um, he's going to have to do some work with his walk rate, but he had decent walk rates in the minors that haven't yet translated. So, I mean, who hits more home runs, Chris Davis or George Springer? I, I think Springer will hit more home runs, but I think a part of that might be playing time. I think Springer's going to be handed the full-time job completely. I think if they have the same amount of plate appearances, you're within three or four home runs on either side. So, it, to me, it's really close. Um, my guess is that is that Davis ends up having a little bit less playing time, but they're still basically full seasons. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be close. I, it wouldn't be surprising to me if, if Chris Davis out-homers George Springer. Mm-hmm. And even if he doesn't, I think that Davis will hit for a higher average. So... I feel like it's going to offset the two, so at least to the point that it's close or that you're not paying for, you're not paying the half price difference, that you, the $13 price difference in Champions League, I didn't understand. I think that you you aren't going to see a $13 price difference at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Okay. So I'm going to go into my next prediction, and this is almost, it's a two-parter, um, or in that it applies to two players. But the two players that I wanted to talk about are J.D. Martinez and Steve Pierce. Um, I think both of them can be top 15 outfielders this next year. Um, And the reason I say that is similar to what I said with Dickerson. I think that projection systems don't respond to a breakout as quickly as they should. And therefore, I feel like the steamer projections or depth chart projections, whatever you're looking at, could be a little bit low. on either of these guys if the changes that they made are really changes. So just to give an example on that, J.D. Martinez had a 391 Woba this past year. That would have put him fifth among outfielders. Okay, so he would have been the fifth highest outfielder with that 391 Woba behind Bautista, Trout, Stanton, and McCutcheon at 391. The depth charts at Fangraphs have him projected for 348. Okay, so you're basically saying a 50-point decrease in in Woba, um, is what the depth charts are projecting. I I think it. I don't think it's going to be that much. Um, it might be 30 points. You know what I mean. And if it is, I think that he could pretty easily be in the conversation for top 10, top 15 outfielder. And I think the same is true of Pierce. Pierce would have been the number two outfielder by Woba last year, um, but he didn't qualify. The projections have him dropping in 50 points in Woba. I I just don't think that that's going to happen for either player. 
even though I think there will be regression. It's like you had mentioned with Victor Martinez in prior podcasts where you thought there would be regression, you just weren't sure how much. Um, that's similar to how I feel about Martinez and Pierce. So are you saying they're both going to be top 15 in WOBA? Yeah, I think they'll both be top 15 in WOBA this next year. And again, I, I wasn't looking at total points. I, I feel like it correlates pretty well. Um, and so I think they could be top 15 in total points. I, it, whichever metric you want to use, I think they could be top 15 outfielders. So, But WOBA is what I'm looking at, yes. And it doesn't correlate okay. per- perfectly. But again, I, with Pierce specifically, I see more aggression with Pierce than I do with Martinez. But with Pierce, he's going to have, I think he'll have playing time, I think he'll have power, and I think he's going to have the park. So I, I felt like that offset some of the regression that you wouldn't, that I don't necessarily expect with Martinez, even though Martinez is in a little bit of a worse, worse park. Yeah, I think that's bold. I mean, J.D. Martinez would have been the sixth highest scoring outfielder last year had he played 155 games or more. So mm-hmm. he would have come in right under, right under Brantley, I think, or right under Nelson Cruz. So um, I don't know. I mean, he had a 389 BABIP. So that's going to be interesting. And he struck out 26% mm-hmm. of the time. So, But again, it and maybe this goes back to just the Champions League draft in general. I For anyone listening, I picked Dickerson at 29 and Martinez at 22. That was the price that I had with both of them just based off of Fangraph's depth charts. So that's with regression baked in. Right. Um, no, I, I, I think he's going to be good. I just, yeah. I, and I think it's a good a good pick for this. I'm... Let's let's let me put it this way. I think I think your prediction is riskier on the Pierce side. I, yeah, I know I, you're lower on Pierce. Yeah, he. I mean, he went for 15 in our league. I was a little surprised by that. I mean, he just he absolutely destroyed left-handed pitching last year. Probably, I think maybe the best season ever against lefties. But I don't know. I'm just skeptical. I mean, he'll get more playing time this year, but that could also expose him a little bit more. Um, he did. I One of the things that I've noticed, and this will come up in one of my later predictions, is that the Orioles have done something, at least from the couple players I've looked at, where players come in and they start hitting more fly balls and line drives. Okay? So, and I'll, I'll sh- explain this later with one of my other predictions, but one of the things that happened with Pierce was that he upped his line drive rate, he dropped his ground ball rate, and then he upped his fly ball rate, okay? So his home run for fly ball rate doubled, basically, or a little less than doubled. But I see regression. I just don't think that it's going to be nearly as bad as some people are predicting. So, like, I would feel, I would feel very comfortable saying Pierce will be a top 30 outfielder this year. Um, but I didn't feel like that was really bold. So that's why I went with top 15 for him and Martinez. Um, if I could go back, I probably would have bid more than 15 in the Champions League, but it didn't happen at the time. So. No, I, I, look, again, these are bold predictions, so nothing wrong with that. I just, I, I, I think he's a good player. I think he's, on a per-game base, I think he's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be very reluctant to pay $15 for him. So, okay. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Outfield is a lot thinner than people think. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what, what about you? What, what's another prediction for you? All right. Some of these are, are – I try to get a little creative. Um, okay. This one might, 
might sound a little creative, but uh, you know I'm not the biggest Manny Machado fan, but I think Manny Machado will end the season as a top three shortstop. Okay. Um, he doesn't qualify for shortstop, but uh, I think he will by season's end. I was already talk of J, uh, JD or uh, JJ Hardy starting the year on the DL. I don't think he's healthy. He he I got think hurt. There's a chance. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah. Um, I think there's a chance. You know, these are bold predictions. So I think there's a chance that Machado picks up five games here or there at shortstop this year, and move. You know, they move Chris Davis, maybe even Pierce at third base occasionally. I think they move some guys around, and Machado picks up a few games at shortstop, and he comes in under Tulo, and I think I'm thinking maybe Jose Reyes, but somewhere in the 750 to 820 mark points, but it would not surprise me if Machado is a top three shortstop at the end of 2015. I like that. I, I can buy that, actually. That, make, that makes sense. So maybe it's not bold. I mean, I have to get the point. He has to do pretty He has well. to get the eligibility, so. He's got to get the eligibility. I'll buy that. Okay. Okay. So the next one that I had was Josh Harrison. I think that Josh Harrison can be a top five second baseman this year. Um, last year, he ended up hitting a 365 Woba, which actually would have had him number one if he would have qualified at second base. I think he would have qualified by games. Um, Fangraphs doesn't have him listed at second base, so he he would have he was the number one second baseman last year by Woba. If you're counting him there, he has auto new eligibility. Um, it's the same situation as with Dickerson, with Martinez and Pierce where I think there were enough changes that he actually made that projection systems aren't going to account for, um, and I think that they're going to regress too heavily because of that. So he hit a 365 Wobo last year. Depth charts have him at 330. I think he can top 330 this year. If he topped 330 last year, he would have been right at about fifth. Um, so it, I think just based off of what he did last year and what projection systems have, he's not going to regress that much. And you're going to be happy with him if you draft him as a top five second baseman. Okay, so over under on 780 points. Oh boy, 780. Um, I don't have the list up of what 780 would have got me last year. Do you want to tell me what that is? Yeah, that would have been fifth. Yeah, that would have been fifth. Like... I I think he I think he would perform over 780. Um, okay, he scored 763 last year. In 143 games, so I mean it's very possible. Yeah, I think at least on a per game basis, he will be a top five outfielder. I mean, top five second baseman. Sorry, um, I I don't really look at things in terms of total points, but I think that there, I think that there are enough true changes that were made um, that he can end up outperforming what people expect of him this year, pretty easily. Okay, all right, I like it. And beyond the top three second basemen in Altuve, Cano, and Rendon, or Rendon, um, I, I would feel as happy with Harrison as I would with any of the others. Yeah, I agree with that. So. Okay, good. Um, number three for me. Uh, this foursome of Chris Carter, 
Matt Adams, CJ Cron, and Brandon Belt, so four first basemen, will hit 125 home runs or more in 2015. Okay. As a group. So they have to average 32 apiece. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I see a huge year for Chris Carter. I'm a big fan of Matt Adams. Cron is growing on me, and I also see a big year from Brandon Bell. But I see those four guys being potentially really nice bargains. 2015, I think they all come into some unexpected power. Or maybe Carter is unexpected. Yeah, Carter's pretty expected. I think that's yeah, the only Carter's thing you expect from him. But I, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if, or it would surprise me, but the bold prediction is 125 home runs between those four guys. So we'll see how that works out. No, I, I like that. I think that's that's good. So of those four, if you had to pick, if you had to rank them, how would you do that? In terms of what? In terms of your preference. We'll go with that. These are your bold predictions. So of those four, who do you prefer the most, to the least? Um, well, I'd take Carter first, Matt Adams second, Brandon Belt third, and Cron fourth. I, I okay. can see an argument either way between uh, Belt and Adams. Okay. That, that's how I would have had them, too. I think I would have had Belt second, but... Um, I just wondered how you would order, order those guys. So I think I think Adams is probably I think he's a better hitter, but I, I think Bell probably gets on base more. Um, so I think it'll be close. But uh, I see a big year for Chris Carter. Okay. You want me to go on to my next one? Yeah. All right. So I think that Wade Miley will outproduce James Shields this next year. In points? Yeah, just in total production, points, points per inning, however you want to dice it. Um, I think I think that Wade Miley will be the better pitcher. Okay. Okay? And the reason that I say that is because, um, well, first I just wanted to look at, like, how similar they were. So, like, last year, Wade Miley actually had the better XFIP. Um, so, 350 for Miley, 356 for Shields. Um, his ERA was higher, but I think that some of that was batted ball luck. Both have really high, have higher ground ball, ground ball rates. Miley's at 51, Shields is at 45. This was just this past year, um, and then Shields had a slightly better uh, walk rate, but he also had a lesser strikeout rate. So just with comparing the two for this next year, um, I actually see some similarities as far as their overall overall profiles. So the projections have just going off Fangraphs depth charts. Eight strikeouts and two walks for Shields per nine innings. And then you have 3.25 ERA and 3.24 FIP. Okay? For Miley, it ended up being 7.22 strikeouts per nine, three walks per nine, and then a 3.93 FIP. But one of the things that I noticed with Miley is that he's actually improved the past few seasons. So just looking at his ground ball rate, his strikeout rate, his swinging strike rate, um, the three-year trend, trend on his swinging strike rate is 8.5, 7.9, 9.7, okay? His ground ball rate has gone up 43 to 51.1%, okay? His strikeout rate's gone up about 4% during that time as well, okay? So really what I'm betting on, um, and again, just going with bold predictions, is that the ground balls that Miley produces will outweigh the change in park. 
and he already wasn't in a good park in Arizona. Um, but my wager basically is that he can offset Fenway with those ground balls. Um, Fenway, the, the Red Sox might get something out of him, and that he'll end up being more productive than James Shields this next year, even though Shields is in Petco. Okay. All right. I like it. I mean, if you had told me, if you had asked me a second ago who had the higher strikeout rate, I would not have guessed Wade Miley. Yeah, I think that that's really it for me. I think that he can lower his walk rate and improve, if not improve, at least hold his strikeout rate. So it's really those two things, strikeouts and ground balls. 21% isn't isn't crazy. I'm, I forget what Bumgarner is at, but I, I feel like it wasn't, it's not that much higher than 21 Um and certainly I like Bumgarner more than Miley, but I think that you can pick up Miley for about a dollar in any league. Right. Um, so I think that when you consider that, it's one of the things that I, at least I would look at pretty strongly. And you look at his pitches, he has three-plus pitches. So it, I, I'm pretty heavily in on Wade Miley, and if I had the choice between him and James Shields at cost, I would take Miley. Not to burst your bubble, but... Uh... Just a side note. Let me name off some guys who had a higher WAR. And this isn't, you know, yeah. in an auto news. But let me name some guys that had a higher WAR than Wade Miley. Okay. Henderson Alvarez. Mm-hmm. John Neese. Josh Colmenter. Matt Garza. Jared Cosart. Giovanni Gallardo. Uh, Jason Vargas. All those guys had a higher WAR in at least 15 innings or less than what Wade Miley pitched last year. So that tells me one of two things: either I don't quite understand how WAR is calculated for pitchers, or it just seems strange because most of those guys are not very good. And you know, I would pick Wade Miley over all those guys, but it's just interesting that his WAR was uh, quite a bit less than some of those guys. Yeah, I think I think some of it might be too that. Well, no, I I actually don't want to say that because I don't know that it's true. But um, yeah, I, I guess I just really see some. I've seen improvements with Wade Miley. I think that he can improve a little bit more given what he has, um, and I think that Boston traded for him because they saw something. So I'm kind of putting my eggs in that basket, I guess. Yeah, I mean they're great at scouting and. That ballpark should help a little bit. It should be better than Arizona. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. I like it. Um, I've got a pitcher number four here as well. Uh, not a lot of stats to back this up. This is a complete gut feel, but Carlos Carrasco will not be a top 30 starting pitcher in <laughs> 2015. Um, I'm going to zig where everyone else zags on this, but... Uh, I am not going to buy the hype of Carlos Carrasco. I th- I've seen all the data. I've seen all the pitch FX. I know he's filthy. Um, I just see some red flags. I don't see a lot of... I see a lot less history to base um, to base a lot of hope in a significant you know, 175-inning season in 2015. I'm taking the under on just about everything, especially his his ability to control all the filthy stuff that he throws. And I'm going to say that he does not become a top 30 outfielder 
And I guess that's bold because... You mean a top 30 starting pitcher? Yeah, sorry, sorry. Top 30 starting pitcher. And I guess that would be bold because, one, it's against the consensus, and everybody's buying Carrasco as if he's a top 10 pitcher, and I'm just not there. Okay. So, can I ask a couple questions? Yeah. What, if you were bidding right now, what would be the what would be your max bid for Carrasco? He went for twenty one in the Champions League, which I called before. But what would be your max bid? Twelve bucks. Twelve bucks. Okay. So, is this more a product for you with the regression on what he produced last year, or with total innings? Do you think that it will be injury related and he just won't pitch enough, or do you think that he will regress and just won't be good, or do you think it'll be both? Um. It's less about the innings. I mean, I don't think he's not going to get the 200 innings. For yeah. Sure. Um, so people need to be aware of that. I mean, he only pitched 134 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, if he, I mean, there's no way that he maintains the same. We'd be the best pitcher in baseball. <laughs> yeah, there's no way that he maintains the same points per innings pitch. So I guess if you if you combine those two, um, you know, it's it's going to be slim. It's going to be difficult. I mean, he's still a very good pitcher. But I'm just not buying that he keeps all the gains that he made last year. Um, it's it's certainly possible, but I'm going against the grain on this one. Okay, I can see that. I personally like Carrasco, but I feel like there has been so much hype that unless I've already owned him, like I own him for three dollars in one league, I won't own him. Um, I won't own him in a league just because I'm not going to pay the. I probably would have been around eighteen or so. Um, but I don't think that'll be enough to get him. Yeah, and we had talked about that right before the draft. I mean, he was he was ma- he was in the top three players that I, if I had the first nomination, I, I wanted to, nom- to nominate because I just thought there would be I thought he would go for way more than, than I, what I was willing to pay, and he did. So, mm-hmm. um, and you nailed it. I think you predicted twenty one bucks, and that's what he went for. Yeah. So, all right. Well. I hope that I hope that you're wrong and Carrasco's good, but if he's not, oh well, you nailed this one. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna go with catcher for my next prediction. Okay. Okay. I I like John Jaso a lot. Um, I've always been a John Jaso fan, but I think that John Jaso can be a top five catcher this season. Um, and the reason that I say that is because you have a top three, and I feel like that top three is pretty much consensus. Um, that's gonna be Posey, Santana and Lucroy, okay? But beyond that top three, I, I think that a lot of those guys are closer to the same than they are different, um, and I feel like there's a pretty even shelf there. Um, so this next year, the Fangraph's depth charts project Jason to have a 325 Woba. Um, I think that if he does that, he could be a top 10 catcher, but I think that he could easily outproduce that as well, considering that the plan is not for him to catch. I think that's your boldest one, yeah. So you're saying by Woba, he'll be a top 5 catcher. Yeah, I think, basically, I like Mesoraco more. I like Gaddis a good bit, but I think that beyond those two, I might take Jaso over every other catcher um, beyond the top three. So really what I'm projecting is that he can beat Lucroy or Mesoraco, and it might be just because of playing time, because Mesoraco's had, he just went out of a game with, I think, a cramp or something. I don't know how major that is, and he had a concussion earlier this offseason. 
Um, but the major bet for Jaso, and the main reason that I'm buying, is because he should be the DH in Tampa all year. Um, and I love catchers who do not catch. I think catching is terrible for you health-wise. And I think that Jaso, one, one of the main reasons I like Jaso is because I feel like if you own him, you can realistically not own a second catcher. And you can get the majority of your games because I expect that he'll end up playing a lot just because he's going to be DHing. And I think he might end up with outfield eligibility too, which would be another plus. Um, so, it, I mean, obviously, I'm making this prediction as a catcher, but I think that he, I think that he's being undersold right now relative to that middle tier of, of catchers. Yeah, I think that's your boldest one. I mean, I think there's no chance that that happens, but I think, <laughs> I think it's a good bold prediction. I mean, um, I so, agree with you that Lucroy, Posey, and Santana are probably the top, but I, you know. So what? Can I can I ask a couple yeah. questions? John Jason or Steve Pierce? Who had a hot? Who had a larger home run and fly ball distance in 2014? Uh, I'm sure the answer is Jaso. It, it was Jaso. Um, I think, it, and again, that that might be a red herring and not really matter. Um, but when I look at catcher, I see Luke Roy and I see, if I was ranking them, I would have had Gaddis and Mezzarocco in fourth and fifth. Um, but I think that they both have a fair amount of injury questions. Jaso has had injuries in the past, but I think that he will be able to get past that because he's DHing. If he wasn't DHing this year, um, or if he wasn't being the outfielder, I, I probably would wouldn't make this prediction because I wouldn't feel comfortable with the playing time. But I think that he can do that this year. So I think there's probably But again, I'm fine with there being almost no chance. That's No, I mean that's that's, that's the that's point of this. Cool. So I think there's probably a better chance that he is a top five scoring catcher than a Woba. Oh, yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. Um, I think the real benefit of Jaso, though, is that, and I strongly believe that if you own Jaso, um, because he's going to DH, you cannot own another catcher and be okay, and then in the second half, pick up a catcher as you need it, and have that extra roster spot all year. Yes, I agree with that. So. Okay, I'll go with the catcher, too. I have a catcher on my list. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Mike Zunino. Okay. Will score more points than Devin Mezzarocco's 664 points from last year. Okay. Huh. Um, there's a couple caveats. He, uh, Mezzarocco destroyed baseball last year for the first half of the year. He was, was injured after that. Um, but that, that would essentially make Zunino a 1 2 3 a top five or a top four catcher because Mezzarocco at 664 was number four last year. So Zunino hit his uh, seventh home run just a few minutes ago before our podcast. I'm not a huge Zunino fan, but I do think the power is real. I'm starting to buy the the Seattle bandwagon and, uh, and, and what they could do this year. And I think he plays enough games to... Um, to outscore and become, say, a top four or five. Uh, so just enough to, to outscore John Jason. Let's put it that way. 
Okay, well, maybe we'll have to make a little side bet, because I think Jaso will be much better than Zanino this year. Okay. So, we'll, we'll talk about that one after this, so. All right, sounds All right. good. Okay, so my seventh prediction is I, that I think Mike Napoli can be a top 10 first baseman, and maybe top 10. I didn't really play with the threshold as far as whether top 10, top 7 or anything with him too much, um, but I've been buying Napoli everywhere, so maybe the best advice with this prediction is that I'm really high on Mike Napoli. I like him a lot this year, and there are a couple reasons for that. One is points per game. I feel like he's been really underrated um, as far as just the perception of him, but I like him a lot just because I feel like the points per game is really good. So just over the past four years, he had that monstrous 2011. He put up 7.35 points per game, okay? I don't think anyone's expecting him to do that again. Then it dropped down to 5.9, or 5.09, okay? Up to 5.74 in 2013 and 5.25 in 2014, okay? On top of that, he had sleep apnea surgery this offseason. Now, I know that that's not something that's really saber uh, as far as reasoning is concerned, but I think that the reports were that he wasn't able to sleep for like two years or three years or whatever, okay? I know how much that would weigh on me as far as just general product, general productivity um, if I wasn't able to sleep. I, I think that as far as I don't really buy best shape of his life, but this is something that at least makes sense to me as far as um, impacting his on-field production. I could see it definitely helping him. And if not, I think that he can do what he did last year or the year before and be at about 5.5 points per game um and i think that you can get that for probably under ten dollars so wow, i like it if, if you can do that i especially given the benches i would feel maybe this is a better way to put it if you're knocked out of those tops that top two tiers of second baseman um maybe like your joey Votto's on up i would feel very comfortable and this is what i did in champion in the champions league going cheap at first base and pairing napoli with some other guys um, and then yeah, just, Adam, Adam Lind or something like that. Yeah, I think I used Adam Lind in champs, but um, but I think per game he's very good, and we penalize him too much because of injury or anything else. I think he'll be healthier than he was last year, and I think that he is definitely going to make you your money if you're spending under ten dollars on him. I like it. I mean, he's a good player. I do agree he's underrated. The question is, does he get playing time even if he's healthy? I mean. He's going to miss some games just because that whole team has got, like, 20 guys for the infield. Yeah, I mean, I I think my my 8 to $10 price, I would be, be very happy with what he did last year um, at 10 bucks, And I think he can do more than that. He played 119 games last year, 500 plate appearances, 625 points. Um, I think that he could probably play 130. Um, I think that they're going to want to play him at first base and not Ortiz if they have their choice. Um so, unless it's injury, which I think the sleep apnea will help, um, I don't see a reason he won't justify the price. I like it. Okay. Um, we're, we're, we're flowing pretty nice, because I've got a first baseman as well. Okay, I have another one too, so go ahead and um, do yours. The only one that's doubled up here, but Chris Carter, back to Chris Carter, um, I think he leads the majors in home runs with over 45 home runs this year, and he triples his average value. So his average value right now in 
points leagues is nine bucks. I think he's a thirty dollar player by the end of the year. I think he hits two fifty with forty five bombs and becomes a monster. Do you think that that is mainly just because of the overall power, or do you think that he cuts his strikeout rate, or is it just uh, general improvements? A little of both. Um, he struck out almost thirty two percent last year. He had a much better. Uh, I don't know if you'd say much, but he had a better. Uh, a better K rate in the minors uh, by quite a bit and I like all the trends on fly ball percentage uh, distance I think he can uh, benefit from he lucks out on some bad bit for one one year he could be an absolute monster I think he walks a little bit more over 10% um, he had a 346 Wova last year I think he takes that up to close to 400 this year if he hits 45 bombs. Okay, I can see that. Um, I think that's a good one, actually. So, I, And I like Carter, too, so um, that's... I, I'm i right on board with that. I, I don't know that I would say triple his value, but I definitely think that there's profit potential with Chris Carter. So. Okay. Alright, so my next one um, kind of goes back to those three P's I had mentioned earlier, park, playing time, and power. And that is that I think Justin Smoke will be auto-new relevant beyond just a $1 player that he's being drafted as. Um, this is similar to Napoli, not bold in the sense of having a threshold like top 15, top 10, but I think that when you get to those $1 first baseman, I would be buying smoke anywhere that I could. Um, I think that he has gone to a great situation in Toronto. I think that he's going to be their starting first baseman, and if not first base, I think he's going to get the majority of playing time at DH. And I think that he has shown power in the past, and I think that that park is only going to help it. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me with Smoke, and I think Mike Podhorzer had written this article, was that his home run per fly ball rate, um, or not fly ball rate, but distance, has been increasing each of the past four years. And it's been pretty steadily, almost a straight, straight line up. And if he would have qualified this past year, he actually would have been 24th in all baseball in home run and fly ball distance. So I think that the power is more legit than we typically want to give credit for. Um, and when you think of someone like like an Ike Davis, for example, is a classic $1 first baseman, or Billy Butler, um, guys who are being drafted late, I, I can definitely see an argument to take smoke over those guys if you are really shooting for upside or if your team maybe doesn't quite fit the mold of true contender and you're trying to get... Um, get a lot more profit instead of safety. And I think, like, I ended up doing that in Champions League. Um, I didn't do that in another league. I actually took Davis over Smoke, but I was trying to be a little bit more safe. But I think that I think that Smoke is a classic $1 pick right now that has a lot of potential beyond that. I like that pick. I mean, I, I think he's definitely worth a $1 speculative mm-hmm. bid. I mean, yeah. He's well, in the, the best ballpark he's ever been in. So let's let's say this then, just to be bold, put a number on it. I think he'll produce ten dollars of value. Okay. And I'm pulling that out of nowhere. Um, that's what I would have drafted. That's what this year, if you're drafting um, Adam Lind, Justin Morneau, Mike Napoli, I think it wouldn't surprise me if if Smoke ended up being in that grouping of guys, Lucas Duda, um, at the end of the year. More points, Adam LaRoche or Justin Smoke? Um, well, it kind of go against the spirit of the prediction if I took LaRoche, but I think LaRoche will have the better year because he's also in a great park. 
Um, I'm trying to think of a name right now of someone Justin who Moore, Justin Morneau. I would, I will go with Laroque or with uh, Smoke over Morneau because I think Morneau will be traded partway through the year. Okay. It's not as safe. There's definitely a lot more risk, but just for the spirit of the prediction, I'll, I'll take Smoke. What the heck? Garrett Jones was drafted for three bucks. You take Smoke over Garrett. Jones. I would take Smoke over Jones. That's that's much better. Way closer to what I'm I'm thinking. Um, I would take Smoke over Michael Morse. Um, I would take Smoke over. I'm trying to think of other names. Adams. I, I yeah, Smoke over Adams. I would have no problem doing that given the cost. And again, it's just because Park, power, playing time, I think he's going to get those three things. And I think he's shown the ability to have power in the past more than he's given credit for. If he doesn't do anything this year, I'd say he's never owned again in auto. Oh, yeah. If he, if, he's not a, if he doesn't do anything this year, I'm done with him. <laughs> and I have no problem cutting him if he doesn't. But again, bold predictions. I think Smoke is someone who's being overlooked. Okay. All right. All right. Next up for me... Um... Jorge Soler, Cole Calhoun, and Rugned Odor will be three of the top five largest arbitration targets at the end of 2015. Jorge Soler, Odor, and who else? Cole Calhoun. Okay. So it's those three guys. So this year, Rizzo, Kluber, um, i trying to remember who else was in the top five of arb, arb targets, but... Um, I think Soler is, is probably number one, Calhoun, and I think Odor has a big season that kind of surprises people. I think those three guys will be in the top five of players who attract the most arbitration dollars in November. Okay, so you, you think all three of them are legit? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. I, I own all of those guys. I'd be very happy if you were right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like all of them as well. Um, so... I like that. That's good. I didn't really think of anything relating to arbitration when I, I put this together. So. Okay. Alrighty. Um, yeah, these last few, I didn't really set thresholds on them. I just kind of tried to pick some players that I felt were being overlooked. So the next one I have is Alejandro Deaza. Um, yeah. And this goes back to the Steve Pierce point that I made earlier. Um, I, I don't know what it is that the Orioles are doing, but with a couple of these predictions, I tried to look at teams that have shown the ability to do similar things with other players. Um, so I looked at what Deaza did when he was with the Orioles compared to when he was with the White Sox last year. Okay, And if you look just at Woba, ISO, strikeout rate, his strikeout rate and uh, walk rate were the same, basically. It was maybe one percentage point less. His ISO went from 111 to 244 with the Orioles. Okay? His BABIP increased from 311 to 350, but his career BABIP is 330. So there's definitely regression there. Um, I wouldn't deny that. But his BABIP has always been high. His career BABIP is 330. He's always been able to sustain a high BABIP. Okay? And then, then his WOBA was 380. Okay? So that that's pretty high. But one of the things that I wanted to look at, and this is similar to what I did with Pierce, um, was I looked at how his batted ball profile developed when he went to the Orioles, because I think this must be something that they're showing them. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure, but Diaz has always hit a lot of line drives, 26.7% line drive rate. That's really high, okay? 
but him, just like Pierce, dropped his ground ball rate and upped his fly ball rate pretty significantly, okay? So Deaza went from 43% ground balls in Chicago to 35% ground balls in, um, in Baltimore. And he did the same thing with his fly ball rate, went from 30 to 38% fly balls. So basically, he's always had elite line drives, and now he's hitting 8 to 10% more fly balls. I think that that's going to bear itself out in his home run per fly ball rate. And the, um, the Orioles have done this with Pierce. They've done this with... Uh, people think that it might happen with Travis Snyder this next year. So maybe that's the prediction. I think they also will be better than Snyder, okay? But Snyder, people expect it with... They did the same thing with Chris Davis. So you've had a lot of these guys who have had or expect to have these power breakouts. Um, I, I think that Deaza could do the exact same thing this year. And they've all been older, so it hasn't been like these guys who are just coming into their peak. Yeah, I, I like it. I liked when you picked Deaza. He was on my radar. I mean, he's a perfect dollar player. I mean, it's not easy mm-hmm. to, to pick a dollar player before the draft begins and say, that guy's definitely going for a dollar, but he was one of them, and... I like it. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's in a great ballpark. I see what you're saying on the... Park playing time and power. He has it all. <laughs> yeah. He had a. He was 15% above average, uh, above league average, average in the second half. Um, he's in a perfect park. He's had a, he's had a pretty... He's had a decent or two decent seasons on in the books mm-hmm. before. So, um, Travis Snyder was a guy who I thought... At first, I thought he might go for a dollar, and then I realized got a little bit of secret hype to him and he went for five or six I think I think that what's happening because okay so maybe this is where you can kind of see the prediction with Deaza Travis Snyder and Michael Saunders are two guys that I have kind of grouped together as far as what I expect out of them I think they're pretty similar um just in terms of like what I expect out of them this coming year and I've seen all both of those guys go for five to ten dollars in every league that I've drafted okay it wouldn't surprise me at all if Deaza ends up costing you a buck and outproduces both of them. Yeah, I, I agree. So, that, that, I like that. I like That's my favorite one you've gotten so far. Okay. So, yeah, and, it, and the main reason for picking that was, again, just because of what the Orioles have... It's not spe- as much Deaza as it is the Orioles. I, they, I say this not having any inside information or anything. Um, it, I just feel like they have to be showing these older guys something when they come in because we've seen it with a couple players um davis pierce you know and i it wouldn't surprise me at all if they also was the next one so all right you can go ahead and do do your next one and then i'll i'll wrap up my last one
uh, faster than, than what other people think. And that's just from all the things I've read last year. I think there was a chance that he would have even been up last September if he had not gotten hurt. We know Jed Lowry is is uh, a ticking time bomb, and I don't think they want to play anybody else in that position. I think he's ready offensively, and he needs to work a little bit more defensively. But I think he's one of the few prospects that, when he comes up, just from my uh, just my bird's eye view of watching him, I think he's one of those guys that can hit. Uh, right out of the gate. He won't be dominant, but I do think he could be a top 12 shortstop. I think he gets a minimum of 150 to 200 ABs this year. Surprises a lot of people with how early he comes up, and he's relevant at shortstop in 2015. Okay. I can see that. I mean, if you're going to pick a prospect, I might have picked Russell, but I can definitely see Correa just as good of a bet as anyone. So. Yeah, I just don't think a lot of people are thinking that he'll be up, or maybe he'll be up in September. Okay. Uh, but I, I think he, I think the surprise here is that he comes up much, much sooner than people expect. Partly because of his talent, and partly because of what happens in Houston. And I think he, I think he hits right, right from the beginning. Okay. Yeah, and I can definitely see the per game production being top twelve, just because the bar at shortstop is so low. I think the real prediction here is just that he will be up this year and accrue a decent amount of playing time. Yep. So, okay, what's your next uh, one? Number nine. Uh, this was a little bit complicated, but um, you calculated this this offseason, you calculated replacement level for, for relievers at 6.77 points per innings pitch. Mm-hmm. And you calculated a history of replacement level at that position for the last, what, about 25 years? Uh, yeah, there were 25-year lags, but yeah, I did that. Over the past five years, the points, the replacement level that you calculated for relievers has been pretty steady between 6.65 and 6.75. Okay. Ten years ago, according to what you calculated, it was 6.35. I think that in 2000. 2015, we see the worst year for relievers we've seen in a long, long time, and it drops all the way back to the 10-year low of 6.35. So essentially what I'm saying is that at the end of the season, when you recalculate your replacement level, I think that the replacement level for relievers will drop so much this year because they'll be so bad as an aggregate uh, number throughout MLB, that it will it will reflect that ten year level. Okay. And the reason I say that is because I know it's complicated, and it might not make a lot of sense to people who are listening. But the reason I say that is, I just I think bullpens right now are a disaster, waiting to happen for 2015. I just I don't see many teams with bullpen guys that are really gonna gonna dominate. I mean. Think about Boston. I think Boston, not a lot has been written about it, but I think that their bullpen could be potentially terrible this year, as could Washington's. Those are two contending teams that I think have a lot of question marks in their bullpen. Um, Toronto could be up there. They could have a lot of question marks. The Dodgers, if Kenley doesn't return quickly. Oakland. I do not see a lot of dominant bullpens as we did last year. I just don't think we see a lot of those guys emerge. Okay. 
No, that that makes sense. That's not something I thought about at all. Now I'm gonna be paying attention to this all year. So that, that's definitely interesting. Huh. Okay. Well, do you want me to do my last one real quick? Yep. Okay. So this is absolutely no data. Um, just backing up my picks in Champions League. I I think that Anthony Ghost will be worth a dollar this year. Um, he might be worth more than a dollar. I. He hasn't been. He's been negative value for a player since he's been in the majors. Um, same thing with JD Martinez, uh, and similar to what I mentioned with the Orioles, where I think players and teams have done things. I, I've heard that Ghost has changed his swing um, this off season, and the Tigers did something similar with Martinez this past year. I haven't seen any video of it. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not an expert at breaking down swings, but I feel like for a dollar. Um, if you really need upside, it's worth it because you're going to know in 30 days if it's worked or not, and you can cut him. So um, I think that he will be ownable in leagues. So that was that's my last okay. one. So is there more value in changing your swing or getting sleep apnea surgery? Oh, geez, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and I try not to, I, I try not to just use the best shape of his life stuff. I mean, I think a lot of that is really – BS, for lack of a better term, but I, for me, it's more that, like, if you're, when you're looking for a guy to fill out your team, it, one of the things that really comes out, comes down to this is team context and league context, and I think that that's something that's ignored when you're making your final picks. Um, I think that a lot of times people just try to pick someone who they think will be okay with their dollar pick, instead of going straight for upside, and if they do go for upside, they typically go for a prospect. Okay, I, I think that Ghost is the perfect kind of post-hype sleeper of a guy that's going to cost you a dollar, no one's going to bid you up, and you know what, it, if it doesn't work out, oh well, you spent a dollar on him, but I would rather own a guy like Ghost, take the chance that it could turn into something, than pick up a prospect that I hope comes up halfway through the year, because I have to own that prospect all year in order for it to be worth anything. With Ghost, I'm going to know in 30 days, and I can cut him if he doesn't work out. Um, yeah, and I think. True. And if the swing change does work, if he hits anything like he's hit in spring training, it's going to be easily worth a dollar. And I know spring stats are stupid. They don't matter at all. But if that change is legitimate in any way, um, I could easily see him being ownable in leagues. Well, for my sake, I hope you start him every day. <laughs> yeah, I, that, would, that would be excellent. Yeah, I, I plan not to start him at all until he shows me something, but... If he doesn't, I'll cut him and I'll have a roster spot, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, final one for me. Um, I predict in 2015 the average champions score in Auto New Fangraph points will drop below 18,000 points for the first time ever. So in 2013, the average score was 18,390. Last year was 18,250. I'm going to stick with the trend and drop below 18,000 points for the first time that we've ever seen for the average. For league, league winners. For the average title hold, basically. Yeah, for, for the winners. Okay. And maybe that's not bold because it is a trend, but. That's um, a pretty big drop, though. I, I, I consider that bold. <laughs> it is a big drop. I, I think the reason that this will happen is because I still see offense. Sliding in MLB, that'll play a role. 
Um, I think bullpens are going to be terrible, so that's probably my biggest prediction that it will be a almost historically bad year for bullpens. And I think finally, I think people are getting better at Auto New. It takes a few years, and I think you'll see leagues get better this year across the board, and that parity will spread enough where you'll see fewer. Uh, points at the top. Okay, so do you think there will be a 20,000-point team this year? No. Okay. I, w- I would agree with you. I do not think there will be. So. Alrighty, well, I think that wraps us up, wrap, wraps this up for our bold predictions. Do you have any more, or are you are you all set? All set. Alright. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. As, if you have any comments, or you want to you wanna rip us for either of our prediction, predictions, or if you agree with any of them, Feel free to comment or uh, hit us up on the Slack community. Um, We'd be happy to discuss with you. Have a good night.